The Fake Show is brought to you by Threads of Envy, the law firm of Hutchison and Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-shirt designs, and by Mr. Antenna. Now your host, Jim Tofty. Just like the United States did a few months ago, the Canadian government has now released 20 years of UFO reports. The 500-plus reports, spanning nearly 300 pages, contains dozens of strange sightings in the skies obtained by Vice World News last month through the Canadian Freedom of Information laws. And I've got one of the Vice World News contributors on the line with me right now from Toronto, Daniel Otis. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, Daniel, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Hope all is well there. Uh, The Canadian government just released 20 years of UFO reports. I'm wondering why now? What's the significance? Well, I think why now is because I asked for them, to be honest. Uh, I, 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 you know, this, this material was not proactively released by the Canadian government. I obtained this through Canadian Freedom of Information Law. And uh, through my research, uh, I've been working as a journalist for about a decade uh, for over two dozen publications. This past year, I've been focusing on Canadian UFO documents held by our Air Force and Transportation Authorities. So by targeting our Transportation Authorities, I was able to find nearly 300 pages of reports spanning 20 years, and it's predominantly unusual reports from professional pilots, as well as there's some military reports in there, police officers, concerned citizens, the gamut of unusual observations. It seems like in the past there are so many sightings that are just ignored all over the region, and they're not just attention-seeking nutjobs, because you, you just said there's some are military and soldiers and pilots and, and the like. Yeah, and I think we, we ought to pay attention to them. You know, they, they face a lot of pressure to not report things. If you're a pilot for a major airline and you start reporting UFOs, you know, there's a good chance you're going to face professional consequences. And if you don't face professional consequences, you're at least going to be probably subjected to constant ridicule by your colleagues and peers. Now, there, there's no incentive to file these types of reports. So, you know, at least in my perspective, if you have a professional pilot who's gone out of their way uh, to make a report of this nature, they ought to be listened to and not dismissed and laughed at. One of the things that stood out, I guess, was a military flight that spotted a bright green flying object that flew into a cloud and then disappeared over eastern Canada. Because it's military uh, involved with this, uh, is there any video? What do we know about this? Well, you know, that's a, that specific case, you, you have that one report in front of you, and that's an interesting one, too. That, that flight was on its way to Afghanistan to pick up at-risk personnel before the, the Taliban take over. And not only did that flight see it, a a Dutch KLM flight flying from Boston to Amsterdam that was parallel to the Canadian military flight saw the exact same thing. Um, I have pending freedom of information requests to get more data on this. Um, You know, but they they saw something. They saw something glowing and that disappeared into a cloud. Now, I don't have the answer as to what that thing is, but it's certainly interesting to me that, you know, a military aviator who spends a lot of time looking out their window at the sky saw something that they can't understand. You know, it brings up an interesting thought, too, doesn't it, with the current tensions with Russia escalating. A member of parliament there, Larry McGuire, wants to make sure that they're working with the United States to investigate any incidents of UAPs or drones around nuclear installations. That's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? It is, but, you know... Uh, that's a Canadian member of Parliament from Manitoba, Larry McGuire. He made yeah. a statement, you know, regarding 
nuclear security and UFOs. Um, but the reason he came up with those questions was because there's a, a documented history of UFO sightings at um, American nuclear facilities and as well around uh, a U.S. nuclear-powered uh, naval vessel. There's a very rich history. Some think there's an association between nuclear sites and UFO sightings. I'm not sure about that, but his questions didn't come out of nowhere. You know, there's lots of reports from the United States of military personnel seeing things over nuclear silos, for example. And like you say, there's a former Canadian pilot, fighter pilot, who should know, John Williams, who says the newly released info is really good stuff. In fact, he says, quote, I believe these reports because what is the upside to making a false report? You, you said that yourself. R- really, do, do you think that uh, government officials and others are going to maybe take a closer look now? It's, it's hard to say. You know, in the United States, uh, you know, your military has been actively investigating this stuff on and off, pretty much continuously since 2007. Yeah. Millions of dollars of taxpayers' money into it. Um, Canada hasn't. We have a pretty robust uh, pr- procedures for documenting these things, but there's generally little to no follow-up. You know, the Canadian military doesn't see this as a defense and national security issue, and the U.S. military does. Um, I'm not so sure I want Canada to change its perspective, though, because once Canada starts seeing this as a defense issue, It means that all the material I've been able to pull through access to information, uh, freedom of information, is no longer available. So, you know, there's guys like me doing similar research in the United States, and they can't access the same amount of case data because it's all withheld in the freedom of information process on national security grounds. So if Canada starts seeing this as a a big defense issue, you know, then suddenly all the data for researchers like me dries up. Becomes classified. You're right. The 2022 U.S. defense spending bill even contains that provision to create a new UFO office. Well, I think that provision is pretty interesting. How You know, that was created uh, in a bipartisan effort with uh, senators, uh, Republican senators, Democrat, Democratic senators yeah. together to create that uh, provision. And I, I thought that was really interesting. And I, I actually, I, I hope it succeeds because, you know, in the U.S., all of this UFO investigation work has been, you know, done through the Pentagon and shielded in secrecy. You know, if the Senate, if the U.S. Senate is able to establish a UFO research body, it means that there's going to be more public uh, visibility and oversight on the issue than ever before. So I, I wish them well. I hope they're successful with this effort. Yeah, and when you say bipartisan, it's almost a word we don't understand in this country. <laughs> it's, it's the one thing you can get everybody to uh, agree on in, in the Senate, especially yeah. the senators who sit on the defense and intelligence agencies. I don't know what they've seen, but in their confidential briefings, they must have seen something that convinced them that this is a real issue to look into. Because, you know, when guys like Florida, Mark, uh, Florida Senator Marco Rubio are doing interviews, they're being stone cold serious about, you know, the potential threat implications of, of these types of objects being observed in and around uh, American nuclear facilities as well as American military facilities. And I'm not sure, Daniel, if you're familiar with a guy named George Knapp who does a lot of uh, this stuff in our area. He's he's done a lot of research on Area 51 and, and uh, a lot of UAP stuff in our part of the country. I am familiar with Mr. Knapp. He is, uh, he's a legend in the field, you know. He, he's one of the Early, earlier journalists who started taking uh, a serious look at this matter. You know, he, he's definitely one of the pioneers of the uh, UFO journalism. Yeah, it's kind of funny, too, because years ago, and he's still on local TV here in Las Vegas, everyone kind of looked at his initial reports as, what? But it was, it was that 
2017 New York Times piece, I think, where all the all those researchers, that old guard that have been looking into this stuff for years, that that was validation for them. You know, it, I, it perhaps shouldn't have come to that, but um, it, it was nice to see that you know the New York Times uh, really opened the doors to the possibility of uh, serious discussion and serious journalism on the subject. We've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, you went through some 300 pages of documents. Was there anything that really blew you away that you saw? You know, the, the documents, I think there was one case in particular where there were two separate uh, civilians uh, in the Atlantic province of Nova Scotia. They both reported seeing a light in the sky. They reported that to a search and rescue center, which notified the Air Force to check NORAD radar, and then actually got radar hit. For, uh, the objects that two separate people had reported. They saw something appear at almost 13,000 feet, hang around for over half an hour, and then disappear very suddenly. So I think that impressed on me when you see uh, military radar equipment corroborating civilian sightings and none of them being able to explain what the heck they saw, I, I, I find that quite compelling. It's so interesting. Daniel Otis is a contributor to Vice World News. You can always find out more at vice.com. Daniel, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. That member of the Canadian Parliament we were talking about, Larry McGuire, also serves as Deputy Shadow Minister for Natural Resources, which is a portfolio that includes nuclear, which suggests Canadians' conservative opposition may now be looking to take the UAP issue seriously. It just feels like we're never going to know exactly the real truth here. That does it for this episode of The Fake Show Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Jim Tofty. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.